Lancashire organisation, so it's precisely 7 o'clock. It is Wednesday the 24th of November 2021. Thank you very much uh, for joining this special session uh, with Alex Klein interviewing Rabbi Cantor Michael Plasco. Um, just before we begin and I introduce Alex, I just want to um, explain a little bit about the European Cantors Association. I'll introduce myself. I'm Russell Grossman. I'm one of the ECA executive. The European Cantors Association is an independent organisation. We were established in the United Kingdom in 2012. We arrange Cantor's conventions along orthodox lines in the UK and European cities. Our academic wing presents international conferences on the music of Jewish prayer in partnership with universities around the world. ECA presents Zoom talks such as this one, obviously the voice of the Cantor, and we tackle some of the burning issues in the cantorial world today. And if you would like uh, to watch this recording, together with the other recordings that we're making of other Cantors, you can do so afterwards, uh, particularly with this one after this coming Sunday, on our our website www.canters.eu. So let me introduce uh, Alex Klein. Alex will be known to the vast majority of you, but for those for whom he is a surprise, let me tell you that he's always been passionate about the music of the synagogue. He was born in London, he studied at Jews College, attending Reverend Brill's cantorial classes. He settled in Manchester where he brought significant Jewish artists and cantors to the UK for concert tours. He's been a leading figure in synagogue music in the UK, lecturing widely and heading the Jewish Music Institute's synagogue music section. He is now the director of the European Cantors Association and I give you Alex Klein. Thank you for those kind words, Russell. Um, Welcome everybody from around the world and um, we, I'm going to talk and chat with Rabbi Michael Plasco and before that do do that I would like to ask his permission may I call you Michael Rabbi that's the first Shiloh I've asked the rabbi <laughs> <laughs> okay right and um, welcome and it's lovely to, to see you again after such a long time um, want to know what about your background your childhood where were you where were you born and where did you grow up Michael well the first thing I want to do before I start is to thank you Alex um, with the way you welcomed me because I, I don't think I ever met you so this is what you wrote to me uh, in August you said you want to hear my whole life story from childhood to retirement and to taking Samicha the ups and downs, anecdotes, special events in your life. A chazan is not just about doubling and singing. You want to hear stories, wonderful, everything that you mentioned. So I want to say that's what I intend to do. I want to try and make this a bit of a fun evening in a way of the anecdotes that I will tell you. So I want to thank Alex. That's, uh, that's number one. I want to thank Russell Grossman for the technical side. I didn't have any idea until he wrote to me and I thank him profusely. And then uh, last but not least, I want to thank Geraldine Auerbach MBE because uh, she helped me in a number of emails. And But there's something I want to say about her and her dear husband, Ronald, or Ronnie, I think his name is. Ronnie is a very well-known ENT uh, nose and throat uh, surgeon. And my wife had to see him many, many years ago she had a severe nosebleed, so he saw to her, and on the way back from seeing her, again in the car, it all happened again. We turned the car around, and I went back to her, and Geraldine and her husband were very kind to Phyllis, and so that's what I want to say uh, straight away now. Now, I'll start and by answering your question about my childhood. 
Um, let me start by saying that my parents, my mum and dad, were both born in 1911, 1911. And my mum was six months older than my father. My father was born in Brady Street in the East End, and my mother was born in South Wales in Tredegar. My parents are first cousins. My two grandmothers were sisters. My two grandmothers were sisters. And then my mother left in 1934. Her father had died in 1932, and I'm named after him. His name was Michael. Uh, maybe I'll speak later on. Uh, uh, he's buried in Brimall in, in South Wales. And uh, four years later, she left her widowed uh, mother and traveled by train and boats. And she went to Tel Aviv and she uh, got married in Tel Aviv in 1934. She got typhoid fever the week, uh, year later. And in 1936, this man, Michael Plasco, was born in Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv. I have, in actual fact, a Palestinian, a very rare uh, uh, certificate, which uh, I'm holding up now. Uh, this it's it's uh, it's a certificate which says that I was born in the government of Palestine in the district of Jaffa, and uh, it's uh, it's according to my dear friend, uh, who unfortunately has had a fall and is in hospital, Elkin Levy. He told me that it's a very rare certificate, so I had it laminated. And anyway, I was born in, 19, in 1936. A year later, my father was walking around Rothschild Boulevard. They lived at number 89 Rothschild Boulevard, taking me in the pram. As they were moving, walking me around, the uh, f five people apparently got shot dead by the British. And my father came back in a panic and he said, we're all leaving, we're leaving Palestine and we're going back to London. And the following week or a week later, they did. They all went back. And uh, I was a year old and uh, I obviously, I don't remember Palestine at all. Uh, from that point of view, I was a baby and I came back to, uh, to, uh, with them to London. If we go fast forward, so fast forward means I, I, uh, I went to Egerton Road School, uh, which was, Egerton Road was a shul, very well-known shul, New Synagogue, Egerton Road, but it was also an emergency school during the war years. So from 1939, when I was three years old, to 1945, when I was nine years old, uh, I was at this school, Egerton Road, and believe it or not, I went to Cheder in Egerton Road, uh, Sunday morning, three hours, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, two hours in the evening. And believe it or not, I was a teacher in Egerton Road. I, I, I qualified with, with diploma and intermediate, and I became a qualified Hebrew teacher for eight years in Egerton Road. Now, what I also used to do when I was studying, uh, began to study, I'm mentioning Egerton Road all the time, I want to tell you that I heard two great Chazonim. Two great Chazonim were in Egerton Road. One was Jacob Goldstein, and one was Ephraim Rosenberg. Now, Goldstein was a big set man with glasses, strong glasses, and I remember one particular thing that he used to do. The, before the Sefer Torah was taken out, there is an Aramaic prayer called Brich Shemei. Now, you would think he would start singing, but no, he started off in this way, and I'm going to copy him how he did, just five or six words, that's all I need to do, and he, go, he went like this, Brich Shemei de Moriolmo. 
and and you know I thought the walls were going to fall down. I've never heard anything. It, it reverberated right round the, the, the shul. Then there was Chazan uh, Rosenberg. What a voice this man had. He, so did Goldstein, but, but Rosenberg, the slickers were incredible. In fact, I remember the police uh, seeing to the crowds. Okay? So I remember when the Chazan Rosenberg, Mipnei Chatzweinu, Roshish, when, when Solish Regolim on the afternoon, people used to come from all over the shuls to listen, but he used to do one particular thing at the end of Mipnei Chatzweinu, which I will remember. And he got amazing shakoch at the end. At the end of Mipnei Chatzweinu, he used to sing, and then he would do a top note for Kehil Chosom, a top C, big high note. And he would keep on this note. And while he was on this note, the choir would sing the same thing again. And then he would sing the top note yet again. And my goodness, what a shakoch. People shouted, they stood up in actual fact to applaud him. So that was that. Now, I'm coming to my first anecdote, and I'm going to tell you in advance. I don't think anybody has ever seen what I saw. That's why I'm choosing anecdotes which are going to make people, make, the, make them think. Um, uh, unbelievable. Now, listen to this. In the, uh, every Sunday afternoon, there were weddings galore. Weddings galore on Egerton Road. It was a popular place for different Chazanim to come and listen. And I was listening because I was studying Chazanut. I was probably 17 or 18 years of age. So the caretaker, non-Jewish caretaker, knows, knew I would come every Sunday in order to listen to these uh, uh, Chazanim. Now, you never believe. This is what he said to me. Michael, you're going to see a wedding you're going to see a wedding. You'll never believe what I'm going to tell you. Well, tell me, I said, what's the matter? They're drunk. They've been drinking. The bride and groom have been drinking. I don't know how they're going to stand under the chuppah. So, right, the organist plays the organ and, and in walks the, bride, uh, the, the bridegroom first. And he's assisted by two men, one on either side, they're holding him up and they're walking down the aisle and he goes under the chuppah. And... He's standing there. And then straight away the bride comes in after that with a woman on either side. And she's been saying, what a mess she looked. She'd been drinking. She looked awful. Right. So they're standing under the chuppah and they're swaying. And they're going to fall down. So they're caught before they fall down. And they, they and then what happens is they, um, they bring two chairs. And Dr. Lerman, Rabbi Dr. Lerman, my goodness, he looked. What have we got here? What? Don't tell me you are drunk. I want to tell this congregation, I want to tell you that it's my duty to find out whether you are compass mentis and halakhically stable in order for me to solemnize this marriage. That's how he started off. I'm going to ask the bridegroom first. Who's the prime minister of England? What is your telephone number? What is your name? Where do you live? Then he said the same thing to her. And blow me down, she said the same thing. She, he asked different questions to her, and they managed to reply. And he said, 
I'm going to quickly go through this wedding. I'm not speaking. I'm not going to say any word because you're not in a fit state really, but you're just about halakhically okay for me to go ahead. He went ahead with the wedding. He said half of the ketubah and he drank the wine. And the seven blessings were said, the seven shevra brokers were said, one, two, three, and he finished off, I wish you mazel tov, and I hope I never see in my rabbinical <laughs> career, I never want to see drunken people under a chuppah again. And that was the end of that. And, and I tell you something, well, well, the people started talking, it was a talk of town. I mean, it, it, was, it was terrible to see, it was terrible. Uh, Michael, please, please tell us how you actually got into, because you mentioned just briefly there, 16, 17, you were studying Chazonas. So how did you actually get into Chazonas? Right, and, okay. and what made you study and uh, where did you study? Yeah. Well, let me say that when I left school, I, I didn't pass any O-levels whatsoever. I wanted to be a doctor, to be honest with you, but I didn't have any O-levels. I think because during the war years, um, I, I, I didn't have a good education, of course. And so therefore I left school uh, 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 in the fifth form. I didn't go into the sixth form. And then I went to the faculty for the training of teachers. I passed every exam there. That's how I became a qualified teacher. From the faculty of training of teachers, where I had Dr. Fundaminsky and Dr. Fishman teaching me, me I, then went, I then went into the Chazanot class. I was admitted to the Chazanot class. I've got to tell you this. On the first day, the very first day, I was taught by Rabbi Eli Kashtan, Eli Kashtan, very lovely man indeed. This is what he said to me. He said, who would you like to, so you want to be a cousin? I said, yes. He said, well, let me ask you, who would you want to be like? So I said, what do you mean who? Who would you emulate? Do you want to be like Kuzovitsky, Kvartin, uh, Pinchik, Berlachagi? So he went to Kuzovitsky's, who do you want to be? So I said, to be honest with you, I would like to be Plasco. He said, that's a marvelous answer. He said, do you know that's about the best answer I've ever heard because I asked people, can you explain what you mean? I said, yes. I said, in the same way that they are well known, I would very much like to make a name for myself, if that's possible, by, by being, I don't know, by, by, by being a chazan that people look up to or wherever it may be. So he said, wonderful, wonderful. He said, I'm very impressed by that. I must tell you at this stage, about 10, 15 years later, I had to ask him a question to do with Greek culture, Greek literature, he was, he, he was a scholar. And he said, I want to tell you, Michael, he said, I remember the answer you gave, this was 15 or maybe 20 years later. He said, I remember the answer you gave when I asked you, he said, and I want to, praise you up, he said, because you became, you've done so much good work in your time, you're getting a good reputation. So I was very thrilled to be, to be complimented by a man like Rabbi Kashtam. So anyway, carry on from there. Uh, I, I was in the Chazado class. I was taught by Reverend Brill, who was a wonderful teacher, Leo Brill. And uh, he used to play the organ for me on many occasions when I went to different schools, uh, schools in order to, to, to do a chuppah. And um, uh, I want to say that I, I was awarded twice the, Sam, the Samuel Almond Prize for Chazanut. Apparently, it was a rare thing for somebody to get it twice. I think the only other person who ever got it was my brother. 
My brother Stuart, who lives near me in Netanya and is watching obviously this evening, my brother Stuart also got it twice as well. And we don't know anybody else who got it twice. And uh, it was for uh, Nusach and to know this. My brother incidentally was the cousin of Highgate Shul uh, for many years, but not anymore. And, and he went into business after that uh, uh, in other, thing, uh, other activities. Right, so-, so we've, got, we've got things in common, Michael. First of all, I was also taught by Isidore Fishman and Shlomo Fundaminsky. Right. And um, also by um, Reverend Leo Brill. So we had the same teachers. Yes. So it's, that's amazing, different generation, you know. Very interesting. I'm so a I little bit younger than you. <laughs> uh, so I want to say, well, I'm 85 years old, 85. I was born in 36. Now I want to say this, that um, while I was at uh, Jews College, my father was a very clever man. He, he, my I, I picked up my chazanut from my father. We used to sit and we used to sing the mirot uh, round the table. And uh, I, I like to feel I had a voice for it and uh, so on. My father said to me, besides learning Jews College, Michael, why, he said to me, why don't you try to learn outside the college and try to do some, some music? So the gentleman who used to come to Jews College, a man called Dr. Sutton uh, from the London College of Music. So I took an associateship uh, uh, at the college. Uh, uh, and so I'd be, after about two or three years, I'm, I was ALCM, associate of the London College of Music. At the same time, I took, I, I, my father looked up yellow pages and he, he found Tonic Sofar College of Music in Bayswater. It was called the Kerwin College of Music. So I went there for four years at the same time as Jews College uh, on the days I was free. And I took an, a, a, an associateship and eventually I got a licentiate of the Tonic Sofar College, LTSC, uh, after my name, four letters. Licentious of the Tonic Sofa College of Music. I had to do theory of music, harmony, but I never did it with an instrument or singing, always singing. I used to sing Handel's Messiah, all the ver various pieces and so on. And I must tell you a very interesting thing with regard to LCSC. The president of LCSC was Sir Malcolm Sargent, the famous uh, conductor. Uh, famous of the, uh, of the London Philharmonic Orchestra, I think it was. Anyway, and he used to do the Henrywood concerts, I think it was. Anyway, um, he heard about me uh, and I was invited at one time to sing Handel's Messiah, but it was on the Shabbat and I wouldn't have accepted just the same. But anyway, it didn't matter. But it was nice to know that they thought about my voice from that point of view. I'm a high baritone. Uh, in, in, in singing. Then I took also an LRAM, my Centre of the Royal Academy of Music. I failed by two marks. With, I had Eva Turner, the famous uh, opera singer. She examined me. I passed the music, the singing, but I failed in, in the theory by two marks. So I could have got an LRAM. Never mind. I wasn't worried about that at all. Uh, it was nice to know that uh, that I took these uh, these. That, that was in 1959, incidentally. I also believe that you are um, a mean chess player. I mean, how right, did that, you get? That, that was at school. When I all right, when I was at Calper Street School, the only thing that I really did well, I was 26 games unbeaten 
uh, in the in representing the school against all other schools. 26 games chess player. I played, in fact, during the war years, my father taught me, and I played by post other uh, well-known uh, chess players on, uh, for, who came from other districts, and I used to beat them. So I, I was a good chess player. When I go, uh, sadly, my wife has passed away. Uh, I'll speak about her soon. Uh, but, and when I go to my daughter to uh, for a Shabbat, uh, the, I've got people, that are chess players there, who uh, who Thank try you. me out and thank God at my age I'm still I'm your still, grandchildren uh, <laughs> they're trying to say they're trying they're behind me and they're trying to say that they, they beat me but once or twice they have they have beaten me to be fair so do you know who taught me to play chess Rabbi Chaitovitz. Oh, Chaitovitz, yes. Yeah, I from I used to go there on a, on a Shabbat sometimes because I went yeah. to school with his son so. Um, he started me uh, to playing chess on, on a Shabbat afternoon, so right. it, get, it got me at it. Um, now, to, go on, sorry. I was, I was going to say, for after, after the, um, so, uh, wait a minute, I, I was going to say, um, I was going to say about Woodside Park. Um, right. Yes, let me, let me say about Woodside Park, because uh, this comes... Uh, before my, uh, we got married, because I want to speak about uh, Phyllis in a moment. Because it's quite a story how you got the job in Woodside Park. How I got the job in Woodside That's Park. That's right, yeah. Uh, so let, let me, can I explain about this? This was a, a terrible tragedy, for, if people don't know this. On November the 10th, November the 10th, 1956, what happened was, Rabbi Lepra, who was the rabbi of Woodside Park, it was called North Finchley and Woodside Park, he, his father passed away on a Thursday. On the Friday, there was the funeral of Raynham Cemetery, a federation shul. And on the way back, a terrible thing happened. Because it was Rabbi Lepra, the chazan and the financial representative, Reverend Lyndon the chazan, and Harry Wiseman, the financial representative, both got killed coming back in the car from the funeral. And uh, so therefore, obviously they had no cousin and uh, Linda and the and Rabbi Lepra was in mourning. So the following week on the 17th, they suddenly realized that they didn't have a cousin to, to Daven and they didn't have uh, somebody to lane. So what happened was Dr. Epstein, who was the principal of Jews College, he came into the Chazanuk class where there was about 20 or 25 people uh, there in the class. It was a very big class. Who would like to go tonight to, Woods, to Woodside Park? You know the terrible tragedy they've had. And all the hands went up, including mine, because at those that time, it was if an opportunity arose for somebody to go, you chupped it straight away. You grabbed it. But hold on, he said. I need somebody who can lane. I need somebody to lane the cedra tomorrow. Do you know I was the only one who could lane at a moment's notice. My father taught me how to lane. There again, I could lane and I could pick it up. So quickly, what I did, what I accepted, and I was the one that was going to go. So I, no mobiles in those days. I picked up the phone, told my mum to get a case ready, and I was going to go to Woodside Park Finchley, and I told her the reason why. And uh, so off I went uh, in the evening, 
uh, and uh, I was welcomed, Reverend Michael Plasco. I was already Reverend, they called me. The first time I was called Reverend. And, and uh, they said to me, please, no chazanot. We're in mourning. If you behave yourself, we'll ask you again. So they did. They asked me the following week. And they asked me the third week. And when it came to the fourth week, I suppose it Shloshi was finished. They said, if you want to show your voice, you can do some chazanot if you want to. Don't overdo it, but show. So I was very pleased after four weeks. They said, we like what you do, and we're going to offer you a part-time position. We're going to give you four pounds a week, and we're going to give you an extra pound for a B'mitzvah class, an extra pound for, for, uh, for uh, adult education. So I was earning six pounds a week, and that was in 1956. I was 20 years old and four, and four months. I was born in July, so I was 20 years old and four months when I became part-time cousin of Woodside Park Shul. And of course, I stayed there for 43 years, came there and stayed there for 43 years. And that's how I started off there. Um, and um, in Woodside Park Shul, uh, I, from the Chazon's point of view, I want to tell you just one thing. We I formed a boys choir. We had a boys choir of 30 boys. They stood around me on the bimmer and they, and I used to, when we had rehearsals, I used to have to teach them everything, how to do humming underneath while I'm singing, you know, like a chazan and so on. And it went very well, but I particularly want to mention one boy, if I may. One boy was called Stephen Sands. Stephen Sands became the chazan of Chigwell Shul for 25 years, he, he, and sadly he passed away. He, 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 he was ill. Uh, a lovely, lovely young man, and very, very popular indeed in Chigwell. He was a cousin, as I say, 25 years, but he started off in my boys' choir. So I was, uh, and somebody has just written that they remember the boys' choir on the bimmer around Reverend Pasco. That's from Melissa Bernstein, which was nice to know. Robert, I was going to ask you about how you met your wife and the significance, wow. and then about your the ring and the, the inscription and so on and so forth. So I thought... I do that um, because you got married, I think, in 1961, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry, I'm going to tell you, yes. Let me tell you. Right. I was standing at this amazing... I want three stories. I've got three stories. I've got three stories about my dear wife, Phyllis. I was standing at a bus stop at the corner of uh, Stoke, by Stoke Newington, waiting for a 106 bus. I was the only one there, waiting to go to Finsbury Park Station to get on the tube. I was the first one. An hour later, 50 people, 5-0, 50 people are behind me. There's no bus. Apparently, there had been a serious accident. So when the bus did come and the inspector said there would be a bus, I was the first one to get on because why? One person got off. I got on. The bus, go, the bus is crowded. And as I got on the bus, I meet up with Michael Indek, who's watching now from Toronto. He's online from Toronto. Michael Indek was the son of Rabbi Indek of Bournemouth. And Michael says, hello, Michael. Hello, Michael. The bus goes past two stops and it comes to the next stop. And don't ask me why. Don't ask me why. I look at the bus stop and at the bus stop, at the head of the queue is the most beautiful girl. And I said to Michael, wow. Oh, look at her. And you know what he said to me? You mustn't look at women. 
He said, you're the cousin of a shawl. I said, yeah, but I'd like to get married. He said, She's a she is a beautiful girl. She's my cousin. I said, I don't believe you. Your cousin? She said, yes. So he said, when she comes on, I'll introduce you. And sure enough, she's the first one in the queue. And nobody could, she's the first, one person got off and she's the first one. She comes on, she says, hello, Michael, to him. And he says, this is my friend, Michael. So I'm introduced. A few days later, I decided I'm going to phone this Phyllis. I'm going to invite her out. And I took her to Shepherd's Bush Empire to a television show. Can you believe what the show was called? This is your life. This is your life, Eamon Andrews, and this surely was our life. Now I'm going to tell you an amazing second story about Phyllis. 1958, it was the same year that I met Phyllis, March the 8th, 58, and the 10th anniversary of the State of Israel was 58. So the London Coliseum, Coliseum, they were going to have a very special event, and I could only get tickets right at the very top in the gods. I hate going up the top. I, got, I can't stand the view. I don't like heights. Anyway, I invited her to come. Seven o'clock, she didn't turn up. There were no mobiles in those days. So I decided enough's enough and I'm going out. I'm not staying. And I crossed over the road. I was wearing a kippah. Out of the blue, a man stops me. And he said, I see that you have come from the London Coliseum. Why aren't you still there? Did you watch the show? I said, yes, but I'm not there because my girlfriend didn't turn up. And I'll be honest with you, I don't like the seats that I had. May I ask you where you sat? Yes, I sat right at the very top. At the top in the gods? Yes. Oh, my goodness me, I don't believe it. What don't you believe? I would like to sit in the seat where you were because I want to meet somebody. So he gives me his ticket. He says, would you like mine? Yeah, I said, I'll take yours. Hers was in the grand circle, grand circle. Now it could have been stalls, back stalls, anywhere, grand circle. So I took it. I go back in and I'm shown to my seat by an usherette and it's dark. And the lights go on eventually, quarter of an hour later, and I'm looking around. Can you believe what I'm going to tell you? Next to me, sitting next to me is Phyllis. Sitting next to me. I said, hello, Phyllis. Oh, she said, oh, my goodness me. I should have seen you. Oh, I, I don't know why, why I'm not at the go. Don't worry. Don't worry. Do you still want to go out with me? She said, yes, yes. So that was that. Now, let me tell you the third story. She said to me, you're going to give me a ring when we get married. I said, yes. So she said, would you like a ring? I said, I would love to have a ring. OK, I'll get it engraved for you and I'll give you a ring. And I've got the ring. This, I'm wearing it now. This is the ring. And it's got MLP on it. M, Michael, L, Lionel, P, Plasco. Now, years later, years later, it could have been about 20 years later, I'm sitting in the garden in Woodside Park, and the sun is shining on this ring, and it's glistening. And the boy, the Mitzel boy, said, well, he said, the sun is shining on your ring. He said, it's a very powerful ring, yours. He said, can I have a look? He said, yes. He said, oh, I can see initials on it. MP, there's another now. I said, M, Michael. He said, what's the middle one? I said, L, Lionel. MP is Plasco, he said. Michael Lionel Plasco. He said, it doesn't stand for Michael Lionel Plasco. It says for Michael loves Phyllis. I could not get over that. 
I was near to tears. Michael, of course, Phyllis is spelled P-H-Y-L-L-I-S. So I went inside to the house. I said, you never believe what this Bermitsa boy has said. And she came out and she virtually, virtually hugged him, you know, and that was wonderful. And Daniel, we had, and it, sadly, Phyllis passed away exactly today, nine months ago today, 24th of February. And nine months ago today, she died, passed away very suddenly, age 82. And we had a marriage of 59 years and eight months, four months short of 60, but I knew her for 63 years. So I wasn't worried that we missed the diamond wedding by any means. And we had the most harmonious marriage that one could ever imagine. It was a, a marriage made in heaven, which I'm thrilled to say. Right. So, so can, can I ask, ask you another question? So how did you become a, a cut above the rest, a mole? Right. How did I become a mole? Somebody, so I, I wanted to be a doctor. I told you at the beginning, I wanted to be a doctor. I was asked as a chazan to hold the baby. That was in 19, uh, 1964, 1964. And because I qualified as a mohel in 1967. I was a mohel for 33 years. And somebody said, would you like to be the Sunday, hold the baby for me for the bris? And somebody said, well, you, you, you weren't nervous at all. You were not nervous. And why don't you learn how to be a mohel? So I said, you know, you're right. Because I wanted to be a doctor. So I applied that same day to the initiation society. I became a mohel. And eventually, um, I, 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 I knew the stuff really well. I, I was well trained. It takes a long time before somebody knows you and they want you and so on. But I have to tell you, eventually, I, I did in my, in my 16 years, uh, sorry, in my 33 years, it may have been 34 years, I, I did about 16,000 babies, one six, 16,000 babies, which is a, a lot. On four occasions, I did seven in one day, <laughs> seven. I never want to see that again because it's too many. I was rushing around from one place to another. And I want to tell you some stories, if I may, um, uh, about it. I was waiting for to do a bris. It's going to, this one is going to make everybody laugh. I'm telling you. I was waiting to do a bris. And, I, and it's nine o'clock in the morning. I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And we're waiting for grandparents. And they didn't turn up by quarter past. And when it came eventually to about half past, there's a ring on the, a ring on the door. And somebody goes, I thought, thank goodness, at, at least they come. And somebody answered the door. And this woman comes in, who's answered the door, <laughs> and she's laughing. She's killing herself laughing. So they said, what's the matter? She said, like, ah, she couldn't catch her breath. There's a man at the door, and he wants to know, are there any, anybody inside here who needs their knives sharpening? <laughs> anybody needs their knives? She said, I'm thinking of the mole inside. And <laughs> anybody want their knives sharpening? Well, they all fell apart laughing. They fell apart laughing. And eventually the grandparents came in. And of course, it was extremely funny. That's the number one uh, uh, thing. I was at St. George's Hospital. I was at St. George's Hospital to see a baby. 
and I had another baby after that to see in the middle six. So I saw the baby at St. Uh, <coughs> I was at St. George's Hospital seeing the baby, and I had to. When I came out, I took a taxi. I took a taxi, but the guy said, "This is what the guy said." The taxi driver said as follows. He said, um, I hate that hospital. I hate that hospital. My father, Solomon, died there. I said, so you're Jewish? How do you know I'm Jewish? So I said, because you just said your father, Solomon, died. That means you're Jewish. Oh, you're very quick, aren't you? Well, I said, I'm quick as a mole as well. What do you mean by that? Are you a mole? I said, well, that's why I just, I've been in the hospital to, to see a baby. So I said, and that's where you're taking me now to the middle sex because I've got to see another baby. Give me your card. So I gave him my card. And the following week, I did the bris for his grandson. And wow. so, that, so, that, so that was, that was uh, another story. So then uh, another one. Um, the, I, I, was on, I, I went to see a baby in the hospital. And, the, and the, the father of the baby is a doctor. And he said, I want to see the baby the same time as you, Michael. Right. So I, I went into the hospital. And in those days, when I went in, I was allowed in. I was the chaplain to the Royal Free Hospital. So I was allowed to go into the maternity because they knew me well. And when I went in to see this baby, the father hadn't turned up yet. The doctor, father doctor, the baby was choking. The baby was choking. I could see from its face, it bulging, something was wrong. I flew out, and as I flew out, the father was there. I said, quickly, your baby is choking. So he could see, he said, yes, you're right. And he quickly did something, and he, and he called he called the, uh, to, out, and he got them to come in, and they, they put a, a, a syringe wherever it is in, in, the, in, the, in the throat, and they got the stuff out. Apparently, the baby had just been fed, and, and it was choking because it hadn't been winded properly, uh, something like that. So he thanked me profusely. We didn't do the bris we, uh, straight away. We waited a, a few days till the baby was okay uh, because I felt perhaps it was a bit traumatic for the baby what it had been, been through, and he agreed. But I want to tell you, 13 years later, uh, he invited me for the mitzvah. And he said, you may have, if it wouldn't be for you, he said, I'm not sure we, we would have had a bar mitzvah. You were, your presence of mind was unbelievable to, to see that straight away. And you called me immediately. Your presence of mind, wonderful. And he invited me. I couldn't go, but I know it was at Pinnashul. And I know that Rabbi Grunwald at the time mentioned me uh, at the, in the sermon to the bar mitzvah boy, that it was me who, who did this uh, at that particular time. Another story, uh, the non-Jewish father, who at the last moment objected to the, to the bris. Jewish mother, non-Jewish father, and there was a lot of people present. He said, Reverend Plasco, before you do this circumcision, I want to speak. Takes out a piece of paper, and he said the following. My dear son, he said, I'm against this circumcision. It's barbaric. And he goes on for about a minute or so, have read, and I said to him, okay. And then he wants, wants me to speak, obviously, say, I said, do you know something? Let's call him Jim. Jim, I respect you absolutely. And do you know something, Jim? It is barbaric. Yes, it's barbaric for the simple reason that you're not brought up into the religion. 
and you don't know anything about it. And I agree with you, it is. Because he said, why didn't God create it, the, the man without a foreskin? So I said to him, I respect you, Jim. You're the father of this baby. And I respect you equally to your wife, who is the mother of the baby. And I'm going to tell you this. If you say to me that you do not want me to go ahead, I will not go ahead. I promise you, because I respect you. Now it's up to you. So he turned around and he said, do you know, I never expected this answer. You respect me, a non-Jew. You respect me? Go ahead. Go ahead. Because if you respect me like that, I, I, I can't think. And I heard, I'm not sure, but I heard via the grapevine, I think he converted to Judaism, not through the, but maybe Lubavitch, but he was so overwhelmed by, by that. We're just going to have a little bit of a... Um... A musical break. Nice time to to okay. maybe play right. Rosa, Rosa de Shabbos, and then you could tell us why you want to do that. And then after that, I want to talk to you about how do I learn to read Hebrew in seven hours. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
Tell me, I mean, it's incredible, um, Pinchik's yes. beautiful voice, his pauses, his natural way. It's a natural of, way. That's why I chose it. It's a natural. That's right. Is it any any other significance or just... Uh, uh, no, just uh, it's, it's a pure, lovely voice. And, and, it's, and it's apparently it's, a, it's, a, it's well known to be a classic. I, want to, I had one more thing to say, if you don't mind. Not at all. Very significant about Mo, about Mohelm. No problem. When, when I've told you, you'll realise. My wife gave birth a year uh, a year after we got married to Angela, and Angela is the uh, is the grandmother of twenty two children. No, twenty one. Twenty two grandchildren. Twenty one. Sorry, twenty one grandchildren <laughs> who are my twenty one great grandchildren. Right. So we, my wife, couldn't have another child for seven years. She had three miscarriages, lost a child at birth. So I decided enough's enough, I'm going to have a royal gynecologist. We went to see him and he came out and he examined my wife and he said, I don't know the reason why. Reverend Plasco, he says to me, what do you, would you like to say to me? So I said, do you know what a mohel is? He said, no. I said, well, mohel is a Jewish man who's qualified in to perform circumcisions. And I've been in every single maternity hospital in London, and I picked up a little bit of knowledge, and I think my wife is hormone deficient. Deficiency, has hormone deficiency. So he said, well, he said, yes, it could be, could be. Let me ask your wife to come back in. Come back in, and he comes back out. I've examined your wife. Yes, she is hormone deficient, and she would need to have injections. And she did, and my second ba daughter uh, was born, Rosalind. Rosalind is now the grandmother of a year old uh, baby a girl, Mayana, my and, and Mayan. And thank God we've now got 22 great grandchildren. 22. Muscle tough, muscle tough. Yeah. So I wanted to tell you that if I wouldn't have been a Mohel, and, and I would not have been speaking to the gynecologist about hormone deficiency. How would I know about it? And it's through my little bit of knowledge that, my in my opinion, my second daughter was born. Okay, that's it. Is that how, is that how you became chaplain to um, Barnet Hospital, through being a mole first and then no, getting no, involved in the hospital? All. No, not at all, because when you belong to the United Synagogue, 
you're expected to do some hospital visiting or become a chaplain. And I was a chaplain actually to three or four hospitals. One was Stanmore Orthopedic, Royal Free, uh, and uh, Barnard General and Victorian Maternity. And uh, Barnard General, I was, was my local one, 35 years uh, I was a uh, uh, chaplain there. And if I may just tell you uh, one story appertaining to, to that, um, I was the chaplain also to the, uh, well, we had what we called the police. I, I, we used to meet every month and I used to help Jewish people who had a question. I used to be the liaison officer as the a minister to the police for, for about 10, 15 years, I think it was as much as that. They treated me one day to the Sierra police car, Sierra 5, which is the Finchley police car. And for a whole day, and they said, Michael, you're going to be our guest. So you're going to sit at the back of the car, a police car, and you're going to have a flat cap and you don't mix in. You're an observer. OK, well, so I told my next door neighbor who had to, uh, my non-Jewish next door neighbor who happened to be painting the front of his home in Singleton Scarp Woodside Park. I said to him, you know, I'm going to be the guest of the police, not in a bad way, in a good way. So he laughed and uh, and what happened was they took me out and uh, and uh, they brought me and they said they were going to take me to the police station to have tea. I said, but I hope you don't mind. I don't drink out. I like to bring you to my home because I only have kashrut kosher. Yes. OK, so they come to my home and my next door neighbor sees them. He's still up the ladder and uh, they said to me, if we get an alarm, Please leave your tea on the table, coffee, wherever it is, and come straight out with us. Leave everything. Don't try to do it. Okay, so off I go into the police car, and we had an alarm. Men fighting outside Barnard General Hospital. That's what it, what it was. Jumped in, and we fly out. Now, I normally takes me about 15, 20 minutes, perhaps, to drive. Three minutes. I thought, I must be mad. I, I, I must have bench Goimel uh, or say, to, uh, uh, you know, yeah. Goimel, uh, say, uh, I should say, prayer for a safe journey. I was flying in that car. I've never seen in my life. Anyway, okay, after the, uh, that was the end of that. And I saw what happened. We saw interesting things. Now, this is what I want to tell you. When we got back to Singleton Park, there were, the police came, welcoming me back to the door. And they and they and they uh, this uh, next door neighbor Steve says to me like this: "You don't know what happened, Michael." He said, "All the neighbors came out. Why did they arrest the minister? <laughs> Why? We heard that the police flew out with him. They took him. We saw him going because the Singleton Scarp is a cul-de-sac, and they saw me and they said." Oh, my goodness me. What is he? No, he said he's, he's a guest of the police in the nicest possible way. He's helped them. And this is his treat. Uh, so they all went away. Oh, they thought they thought there was a bit of a scandal, you know, but there was nothing to scandalize. So so they were happy. That was that was the police. OK. Can I, can I interrupt you before before I ask you about that? Because you've triggered off something in 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 my brain to do with the United Synagogue and, and you know, it was expected of, of you to uh, be a chaplain or to, to visit um, and to do various duties in the community. So 
in, in, in your time of the United Synagogue, there was a full-time chazan and a full-time oh, rabbi, yeah. a reverend and a minister. So yeah. how did you, what, what were the duties or what was expected of the, of the um, communal chazan right. and the communal rabbi and how did you yeah. share things? One was, yes, good question, good question. One was a minister preacher, one was a minister reader. The minister reader was the chazan, minister preacher was the rabbi or reverend, the one who gave the sermons. And both of us had the same thing. We were chaplains to hospitals. I actually, on one occasion, for one year, I was chaplain to Wormwood Scrubs prison. And, uh, and, uh, but I generally, I was, uh, I had to visit. Uh, I had to, that, that was my, my job. And uh, again, a very unusual thing happened to me on the, <laughs> perhaps one of the first occasions, I got a phone call two o'clock in the morning, would I come to Barley General to visit a man? Let's, let's call the woman, uh, I don't know, I'm making up her name, Ruth Cohen. So I went, I had to go, because she was, apparently this woman was dying. I went in and, I, and it was dark, two o'clock in the morning, and I didn't see any, any sister, nobody was there. I walked, uh, in those days, I mean, I could have been caught, but I walked in and I saw the names of the people at the end of the bed and i certainly didn't speak to this woman because her name was ruth cohen and she was sitting up who are you i said no it's okay and i walked out so four o'clock i get a phone call again have you come to why don't you come to see ruth cohen i said i did she's third bed on the right hand side oh my goodness says the, the sister there's two ruth cohen's in the ward the one who's seriously ill is at the back of the of the of the so i said okay i'll come back again now so i had to go twice that was a mistake i made but an interesting story okay now <laughs> carry on so 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 what were what were the duties expected because i want to as we are the european cancers association oh, I see. Um, i'd like to to explain you know from your perspective what was the job expected of the cousin reverend minister to do as part of their duties? Oh, and Yeah, uh, other than, than being a chaplain, obviously to do pastoral work and to, to govern in shul, if there were minyanim during the week, like the rabbi, to attend a morning service or afternoon, mincha, maru, evening service, and uh, to, to visit the sick and the funerals and stone settings, and uh, shivers uh, uh, to do all, all these things equally with the, with the with the rabbi, whereas the rabbi uh, would be the one who would speak at a sermon, uh, at a shiver and funeral, unless the rabbi was away. On, on many, many, you see, I, I was at the shul as I told you, forty three years, but I was at the shul for nearly eight or nine, ten years on my own because the, the, the rabbi had left, or, or for one reason, then before they found somebody. So on many occasions, I, I did a sermon, or I certainly spoke at a funeral. Uh, I, if you understand what I mean, I, I, was, uh, I was able to do so, and I did. So uh, it, it, we, we knew what we had to do. Uh, it was up to the minister to, uh, to deal. Now, for example, I, was the ch I, I happened to be the secretary for marriages. I was secretary for marriages of the shul, uh, so uh, and 
and I've got, <laughs> I have lots of stories about shore life in Woodside Park, which are funny if I have time. So what I, uh, that, that was the way it was uh, divided. Was, was there an association that was connected to ministers and cantors or Chazonim? Was there a Chazonim yes, association? Right. I, was, I was at one time chairman of the Chazonim Association, and as such being chairman, I used to go into the rabbis to, to I was invited as chairman to go there. In fact, that's what started me off to go to listen to the, to, uh, to learn, to learn more. Uh, I, uh, I eventually uh, learned uh, the, the syllabus for that you have to learn for, to, for smicha, uh, and uh, I, I had private lessons as well, um, and uh, I enjoyed myself very much indeed uh, going in, but uh, it was only for a year or so that I was chairman, uh, uh, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. I had very good liaison with uh, Rabbi Jackson, who is a member of, of my school, Young Israel of North Latania. He was chairman of the, uh, of the, of the ministers at one time. And in fact, he honored me when uh, I had, uh, had been many years uh, cousin at Woodside Park, and he spoke on behalf of the ministers. So, you know, it, it was a good, good uh, friendship, yes. It worked out well. So how do I learn Hebrew in seven hours? Right, that was an idea of mine, and it, and I was awarded a thousand pounds from the Jewish Educational Development Trust for my idea. It was a simple idea. I don't think it was anything special, but nobody somehow thought of it. In other words, I I got four four evenings, four evenings in a week. I used Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, two hours every evening, and I called it life. Learn in four evenings, life. That was the subject. And I had on one occasion, a hundred people listening every evening for that. What did I do? Instead of saying Aleph Beis Gimel Dalad, Gimel Dalad, G, D, B, Z, H. And I said to people, if B and I makes Ba, what does T and I make Ta? And I said, if B and E makes B, what does T and E make T? And if la and I makes la, what is, and that's how I worked it. I didn't allow anybody to speak. They could have tape recorders and they worked. Now, very interesting that member of my shul here, Young Israel, is Dr. Mervyn Leverton. He yes. was a, uh, you know him, and he was a headmaster and uh, he came every evening and he was amazed that by the fourth evening, Thursday, he heard people davening, he, people were able to daven and he said, this is genuine because they couldn't, they couldn't daven on Monday, they couldn't start. And by Thursday, it was a success. People were davening. So I was, and, and I started this all off be, be, between you and me with nuns at a convent who wanted to learn Hebrew. I tried it out on them and it worked. So I thought I'd, I'd do it for him. And, but it was taking up my time because I went to Radlett or, and a school in Southgate and it was taking up four evenings every evening. So I gave it up after a time. But that's what I, what I achieved there, yes. So um, then again, accolades and um, for the deaf and, and um, signing and right. tremendous amount of work, um, which in actual fact, my, my granddaughter, is um did this in 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 school in Ilford because one of her friends um mothers is is deaf so she learned sign language to to be able to communicate with her right. so she went to the class and said can we do something 
singing and as they were singing she taught the the class how to sign and and my granddaughter's continuing that so it just reminded me of of something that is very very special to you and um, would you like me to speak about it absolutely right okay well it all happened when chief rabbi Sachs, zichrona tzadik nivrocha chief rabbi Sachs made an appeal to the ministers. And I was the chairman of the Chazonim, and I was there with the ministers. He wanted a chaplain to the Jewish Deaf Association. Now, the, 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 the headquarters was in Kaiser Road, and my parents lived in Linmouth Road, Stanford Hill. And so therefore I accepted, because I was going to see my parents, I thought I'd go and see them. So I accepted, but I didn't realize. I accepted, but when I went in, I couldn't talk to them. I couldn't speak to them because I never realized anything about the deaf. So I learned sign language. I passed my communications uh, exam for sign language using my hands, obviously British sign language. And I got that uh, thing and I was thrilled. And, and, and uh, I remember uh, people were, were thrilled that I was able to communicate uh, slow but sure uh, uh, in sign language to these people. So I felt happier and I used to see them two or three times a week. I would join them for lunch, uh, kosher lunch, obviously, which it was. And eventually I applied for the traveling scholarship. Uh, which is offered by the United Synagogue to any minister who's been over 10 years, uh, 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 has been 10 years uh, a minister. And I, I was awarded the travel scholarship. And I went to the United States uh, and I went to a convention with, with uh, boys, from all, uh, boys and girls from all over America, about 89, 20, uh, sorry, about 90 boys and girls all together. And I listened and I spoke on behalf of the English people and I watched what went on. And I also went to, uh, to Israel as well, to a, a place where there was a, a school in Bnei Brak. I went there. The interesting thing is I brought back two ideas and I had a, a full day conference. I had uh, Lord Jacobovitz, Sikron Gavrocha, Gavrocha, I had him speak uh, on one occasion and I stood up and spoke in sign language, which was applauded by uh, 500 people in the shul that we had, uh, non-Jews as well, non-Jewish clergy who are from the deaf of England. Uh, because it was something special. And the following year, we did it again. And Rabbi Plancy, Alan Plancy, was was the guest of honor on the second occasion, and which went down very well on both occasions. Uh, and I must say, I had tremendous support from Lord Jacobovitz and from Rabbi Sachs as well. Incidentally, uh, I meant, didn't mention one other chief rabbi, because when I got married in 1961, Rabbi is uh, Chief Rabbi Brody, in, in, uh, inducted me with Reverend Koshland, a double induction. So that was a rare event as well. So I had three chief rabbis in my time. Yes. I was very instrumental, if I may, from the halaki point of view of the deaf, to form the loop system. The induction loop system allows people who to, um, to hear. It's in theatres as well. And my shul, Woodside Park, was the very first shul in the United Synagogue to have for free, it was. It was. Uh, we didn't have to pay anything because of my in in my honour. Uh, it was uh, 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 so the people who wear hearing aids on on Shabbat, it, it, and I was in charge of the hearing aids. That, it, that, that there was no problem 
uh, electricity or anything like that, magnetic. So it was allowed from that point of view. So a halachic. Um, halachically, it, it was allowed. So yeah. that was that was the it's first of the forerunner to the other shuls having loop systems which are allowed right. on Shabbat and Yom Tov. Correct. Absolutely yes. fantastic. Yes, and the, my, I, I'm very thrilled to know that Woodside Park was the first one in my honour. Yes. And talking about Woodside Park, I just anecdote again. I'm, I'm thinking of um, you had some famous people, famous members, and for Frank, example, Frankie Vaughan was a member of Woodside Park, and I, I believe that you were um, David's Bermitzvah was also at Woodside Park. Can you tell us a little something about maybe well, a connection between you I, and um, Frankie Vaughan? Yeah, I knew Frankie Vaughan and Stella. Uh, Frankie uh, uh, sadly passed away. Stella, I think, is still alive somewhere yeah. in Brighton or somewhere. I'm not sure, in a provincial place. Um, he was a marvellous person. He used to sit, <laughs> but he he complimented me through the Jewish Chronicle. He, he said, I do not know how Michael Plasco can daven on, on, on Kol Nidre and then fasting, how he stands up, for for uh, Musaf uh, for uh, for Conidre, three hours and then he does Musaf uh, for three or four hours and then he does Neila. He said, "I don't, I couldn't do it." He said, "However much," and he said, "I, I, I I'm, uh, you know, uh, somebody is writing to me that the Jewish Deaf Association is starting a, a British SL course." Uh, Judith Morgan has just written because she knows of me, so they want to know if anybody's interested in British Sign Language, if they want to, the Jewish Deaf Association will do it. Anyway, coming back to this, Frankie Vaughan was a wonderful person and he was very helpful to Woodside Park in, in that time. He used to sit there with his, uh, with his uh, boy, uh, David, and, uh, and we so got very well. I taught David in, uh, you know, and I, I had a wonderful friendship with Fra Frankie, yes. Yeah, his, his daughter lives up in Ma in South Manchester. Susan lives in South oh, Manchester. Susan, that's married right. to um, somebody called Marx. Oh. I used to go. I used to go around to Frankie's house in um, uh, near Brent Station before we moved before we moved to Totteridge, and uh, he was always sitting there with a cigar and watching the, watching the horses. He used to love the, the the horse racing, if I remember correctly, yes. and um, night liked his cigars as well. But very very hospitable people. That's right. And, um, I knew him because he was a, a Liverpoolian, and he he sang in the the choir at Princess Road, and went to the um, Jewish school in, in Liverpool in Hope Place. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, well, let's go to some anecdotes of uh, life. Right. A man lost his father, and he phoned me up, and we were in the kitchen of his home, and I was helping him about his father, and he said, "You know, my daughter has premonitions." Because you know my daughter, she goes to the same school as your daughter. So I said, yes. He said, that mezuzah up there, he said, and he pointing to a mezuzah, there's something wrong with it. So we took it down and I nearly fell through the floor. I opened up the mezuzah. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elekeinu, Hashem, Hashem Echad. An extra God's name in the first line. So the, the girl was right. And I said, I couldn't believe it. So I said, it tells you, it taught me a lesson that you must never run down anybody who's not observant. They're not an observant family, but it was outstanding to know that she had some spark of something within her to have this premonition. Then uh, a Jewish boy wanted to marry a Jewish girl. 
and the parents of both were against the, the marriage. I decided it should take place on a Wednesday. But I happened to have been in the office when somebody phoned and said, can I speak to the secretary, speaking to the minister? So, so uh, I had to, so I said, who are you? He said, I'm the florist. Well, I knew there were no florist, flowers. Now, I had to be careful because the parents of both sides were against it. So I decided that I was locking up the shawl and they get married uh, on, on the Wednesday and uh, lock up the shawl. But I told this man it's been delayed till Thursday. The marriage took place. And in the afternoon, he turned around. This guy phoned me up, the father, uh, and he said, uh, well, he said, you are such a liar. You are going to be sued by me. He said, I've never heard anything so disgusting. So I said, well, I'm not a liar. You're the liar. You told me you're a florist, but you're not a florist at all. You're the father. And so therefore, uh, I said, I think you told a lie. He later apologized for his behavior. And he said, I'm terribly sorry. I should not have spoken to you like that. You were right. Ten years later, they come to the shul and they've, they want to make me, they want me to speak, say a few words. Nice. They've got 50 guests and they, they took them out and they were happy as punch, but still no parents on either side. Okay. You were awarded yes. the MBE. I mean, I'm skipping different things and, and I'm, uh, because people... People will ask questions as well, hopefully, afterwards and, uh, you know, about that. But um, Freeman of London, Freeman MBE, it, it, it's, it's just an incredible um, story. Uh, and, and you're such a humble person. And, and um, this is a great honour, especially, I mean, we're, we're all proud, of, you know, uh, in the Jewish religion and Jewish people here that um, you awarded these things. And... And it's something special for us as Jews um, that you you champion us, and um, you're you're so highly thought of with the, with the wonderful work and the wonderful things you you do in the wider community. So, can you tell us about it? Thank you very much. In actual fact, the letter came from the Prime Minister, and I was at home when the letter came. Nobody else was there, and I was overwhelmed. I left it on the table, and I had to go to Bushy for a funeral. I phoned my wife from Bushy and I said to her when she was home, there's a letter on the table, have a look at it and tell me what you think when I get home, how should I answer it? Of course, it was inviting me to, to accept, uh, uh, be a member of the British Empire, MBE. When I got home, you never believe what happened. She opened the door with our two daughters and there was a red carpet on the floor and they all bowed down, yes, your majesty. You're accepted. You're accepted. <laughs> yes, your majesty. And uh, we went to Buckingham Palace and uh, it was a wonderful occasion. And we, uh, we saw more of the palace than would ever be because some masonry had fallen on somebody in the previous week. And so we were taken all the way round the whole of the palace instead and on the day in question, the Queen couldn't come, it was Prince Charles. So Prince Charles asked me and he said, oh, I understand you've been 43 years in your synagogue and you've done this and you've done that. And he's obviously prompted. And I said, yes, and he pinned the MBE on my, on my lapel. So that was a very lovely day. And when I got out, it was a Friday afternoon on the railings, on the railings of Buckingham Palace, well done, Michael. It was from Kisharon School, Special Needs, which I used to teach. And they, they, the boys and girls were there outside the palace. They waited. They put a big post, a big thing outside. 
and and it said well done michael Mazeltov, on your mbe and uh, that was lovely to see from the kisharon school special needs which i used to do for 15 years as well uh, every morning i used to go and help them yes so i think russell's now got a cup of cooking that we can listen
tremendous art in, in the Chazanut by Cop uh, of Kagan. Um, yeah. One of my favourite pieces, but you don't hear it much today because it's too long for, for yeah, people. Yeah. They haven't got the zitzflash to um, sit down and uh, read it, uh, listen to it. So I want to come, you know, coming towards the end and, and you know, another few minutes. I know people want to ask questions, but I want to go about um, Samicha. And, and I want to thank you also. I mean, it's very important to um, one of our pupils, um, Nathan Goldman. Um, he, he, we are all so grateful for what you taught him, you and your brother, Stuart. Um, brother Stuart, yes. Yeah. Nathan Goldman is now in Stuttgart. Yes. yes, and I think I'm hoping that Nathan's listening to um, to this, but I'm not sure because I, I can't see everybody that's on. But um, and he always mentions Stuart and, and yourself as um, being instrumental with, with the diktuk and, the, and the, the reading and the stress and everything, you know, that he, he knows which you've taught him. So thank you so much for no, for, for that. We, we appreciate it. And if you want any other pupils being sent your way with the greatest of pleasure. I taught quite a number of Chazonim, you know, and, and uh, listening to me in my shul in Woodside Park was Jeffrey Schisler, Rabbi Schisler, was a member of Woodside Park. So, um, Does anybody come to mind uh, of um, that you've taught? And um... uh, Well, I, mu I must tell you, yes, I taught a man, not, not so much a cousin, but I taught a man called Rabbi, Do who's now called David Marchant. He couldn't read Hebrew. He was, a, a, and I taught him his bar mitzvah. He's now the, he's now the senior uh, uh, teacher of halacha in Miri Shiva with 2,000 students there. And uh, he's written a book on Shemitah and other Sephorim. He's the one who gave me smicha. He's the one who gave me Smith. He was he was my pupil, and he's and he speaks Yiddish and English. And he, and when I think of how he looked, you know, as a boy, and he came to visit me with his wife when when I got Smith, he he was amazing. He knows that I've been through Tarut, but also you see, added to me, I've been twelve and a half years teaching Dafyomi, the, the the page of Talmud in my in uh, in young Israel, Natatania and uh, which went down extremely well. I used to have up to see even 20 people listening to Dafyomi a page a day. And that was a great thing for me to learn. I promised Lord Jacobovitz, I had Bal a lot of people listening and don't know, I've had twice cancer. I'm a patient, of a cancer patient. I, I wear a colostomy. 25 years I've had a colostomy and I'm lucky to be alive. This was at 60 years of age. I promised Georgia Cobbins, if I ever I have the chance to learn and I come out of this alive, I will learn. I did learn and I, I, I had the opportunity to go to young Israel. Uh, Rabbi uh, Lippman Rabinovitz was the teacher. He passed away sadly and I took over from him and uh, I've never looked back 12 and a half years teaching Dafyomi and added that to, to my learning of Taruvas and Melicha and Bosabachala, which I learned. So I was given Samicha. And um, so I was thrilled that I, I fulfilled uh, an, uh, something in my life like, like that. That's very, very well deserved. I think it's time for, I think it's question time. So um, it, it's, it's been a wonderful and so interesting to hear a little bit about your wonderful life. Baruch Hashem, may you continue to enthuse and to teach 
and to give us all so much pleasure. Um, thank you so much for that. And I'm going to pass over to Geraldine, who's a lot better at these things than I am, to uh, if anybody wants to ask questions and uh, please go through um, Geraldine thank you thank you very much Alex thank you my pleasure well thank you Alex and really thank you Michael it's been a fascinating uh, um, period and we've really listened to a lot now if somebody would like to ask a question or make a comment please could you raise a hand either physically or if you go to your reactions at the bottom if you take your cursor down to reactions there's a thing there that you could raise your hand and that's quite helpful because then your little box jumps up to the top and I can see you easily because I can't see everybody who's here so we have Brian Markerson who'd like to say something Brian My, Michael good evening oh, it's lovely to Brian. see you after so long I have very I have very very fond memories of you coming to my parents home in Woodside Park I that's was fine. one of your first uh, pupils Yes. for pupils right. uh, in yeah and i remember you spending the shabbos with uh, with lou stoltzman because you didn't have the house then that's right yes. and uh, the three um a goodbye and the three just men as i used to call them sitting in the box lou uh jack and yes. isaac itsy dawson uh jack spencer and lou the three wardens in and the fr in the box there also very 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 fond memories of um of Jack um, Conrad, the That's secretary. Right, Jack Conrad, the secretary. Yes. Fantastic years we had there together. Thank you. And you mentioned Jeffrey uh, Schisler, Rabbi Jeffrey. He yes. used to be on the bimmer with you at That's the end right. of the service. Yes. Yes. And those were fantastic days. And uh, hey, look, they live on in my memory. Yeah. And I've I've paid my dues back to the U.S. in different um, different ways to you. But Thank lovely you. to see you. Thank you. Stay safe and well. Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Now, Jack wanted to say something. Um, if you'll unmute. Yes, uh, Michael, uh, this is Jack Wexler from Betrimon. Uh, I'm, I think it was an absolutely fantastic talk that you've given, first of all, and I'd like to thank you personally for it. Uh, I would like to ask you a simple question. Um, United Synagogue Chazanim, as far as I know, are not allowed to record their compositions or their music uh, and make records from them. The only person I know who has done that is Simon Hass. True. But, but um, I would I want to try to understand why this is now, because I think the public in general are, have lost out because of this. Yes, I, I, you're quite right. In my time, they were not. It was stipulated that they should not uh, record. I don't know exactly the reason. I'm guessing, I'll be honest with you, I'm guessing, but I think they didn't want uh, any interference from an outside source that might disturb their their work for the United Synagogue and they should be suddenly very busy recording and they've got to go here and they've got to go there. I can't think of any other reason. And uh, But really, you're quite right. Uh, we, we, I lived on records. I, I learned from records. I used to go to the East End of L London to shops there to see if there was any records or, uh, you know, HMV. And you're right. You're right. I think it's a great shame. I mean, the very, the, very, the very fact that you're listening to two records now of previous Chazonian shows that it was an important thing to have a Chazon's record. Yes. 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 yes I think that 
the United Synagogue has probably got a lot to answer for in silencing British Chazanim. Yeah. Those who did feel that they had something to offer went elsewhere, yes. sadly, and we lost them. Yeah. Uh, any, any more questions? I can, I can answer that, Geraldine, because um, <laughs> they, were, they were not allowed to earn extra money outside, outside. outside the, the United Synagogue. So right. all Simon Hass's recordings were for charity. So he recorded whether it was a deck of pie and he wasn't allowed, he didn't make a penny on those recordings. And then um, Alan Fish of Amchai um, recorded um, Asher Heinewitz and, and Malavani recorded and um, Pesa Siegel on the record and Zev Torren. Um, but they, again, were not paid for those recordings. And uh, it, it, it was a tragedy because we, we have no recording set, maybe private ones, of, of the greats of the United Synagogue, which if we did have them, um, it, would, it would show um, this generation and the next generation how great these Chazonim were. So it's a, it is a tragedy, and I, and I agree with you. I would, just, I, would just like to say, I would just like to say that Woodside Park had Adler and Helfgott for a Shabbos and a concert done by Melvin Carter and Stephen Reimbach, members of the show. It was an outstanding occasion to have two great Chazonim in Woodside Park for a Shabbat. That's what I wanted to say. Yes, go on. And was the concert recorded? Uh, the concert, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. Okay, I think maybe we should put out feelers to say, did any British Chazanim have private recordings? And would they like to tell us about it? And maybe we can compile an album of British Chazanim who uh, were silenced by the United Synagogue for whatever reason. Mm. Um, uh, any more raised hands? Because I can't see everybody. I can only see some. Fortunately, we have a lovely group of people here. And um, I, I, have, I have something I want to say. Uh, Edward. Yes. Go on, Edward. Yes. yes. Edward uh, I'm, and I'm uh, Rabbi Plasco's uh, successor in Dafyomi. I've been inspired by his devotion, the way he handled the group. And I invited him out of retirement to give Shiur one week about a year and a half ago, I brought me on the uh, Eliezer de Mila on the second Shabbat. It's amazing. He didn't even mention the stories that he told that week. Fascinating de uh, dedication he gave to the community in UK. And we see that in Natani, where we really have the skut of having his, he gives everything to, to, to the, sh he puts all of his, his soul into everything he's done. And I've always been impressed by that. And uh, you should have Arichat Yamim. And I'd like to say, I also was a Cantor's as well. I'm American, as you can tell, the way I speak. Uh, I, I, um, I know Zev Torin also, by the way, from being in Montreal. By the way, uh, you call a kavod for your organization for having this series, because in America, they don't have something like this. This is it's a, it's a real pleasure to us you're doing this. And you should continue going, Mikhail Chayol, and what you're doing. And, and also, uh, I'd like to wish uh, Michael Plasco, uh, Rabbi Plasco, call a couple for a beautiful evening, and to all of you, and you should continue these 120. Thank, thank you very much. That, that's a really lovely. And and um, you know, Alex Klein is something 
that is so special because he has so much knowledge, so much connection with cantors all over the world, and he's able to bring to the series something exceptional. And we're really glad that you're enjoying it. And, you know, do tune in in two weeks' time, where you may even be uh, introduced to Alex himself. Uh, David Newman, can you unmute? Yeah. Yeah, I'm unmuting. No, just to say, I'm listening to you from the south of Israel. And of course, we've met up again in recent years in Netanya, where my parents-in-law were long-term members of the Young Israel until they passed away. But of course, my father was a rabbi in Barnet for 20 years. We were your neighbors, we were your neighboring community. In many respects, we were your offshoot community, yeah. I think. And uh, we only got there in 1969, when you were already in Woodside Park. And um, Barnett, my father was the rabbi. We never had a cousin as well. My father had a nice voice, but he wasn't a cousin. And I remember there were occasions when you would walk over from Woodside Park. Yes. For special I, I, occasions. I, I was, I and was, I think you officiated. I did. I think you officiated at my father's induction. I did. 1969, which was also just a week before my bar mitzvah. Yes, I did. And foundation stone and also with the chief rabbi, I did. With Jacobovitz, yes. Yes, I did. Thank you, David. Mervyn Leverton. Yeah. Would... Dr. Leverton. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I just want to say a few words about um, uh, now Rabbi Michael Plasco, because Michael and his dear wife, Phyllis, uh, are also close friends and have been for many, many years. And I want to point out something very special about Michael and Phyllis when they were both active at Woodside Park Shul, where we were members for many, many years wow. before making Aliyah, um, that when it came to our weekly Kiddush, it was a very large shul, large community, and the shul hall was always packed every Shabbat. Um, and what was special about Michael and Phyllis is that they were continually walking around the hall saying, Shabbat Shalom and chatting to everybody that they could see personally. And that was so something special about Michael and Phyllis, that they were well known to the community because they went out of their way to speak to the members of the community rather than wait for people to come up to them and say Shabbat Shalom. Um, and this made them something very special. And Woodside Park Synagogue was very fortunate to have these two wonderful people serving in them serving in, in the synagogue, not simply as um, those who are conducting services, but as friends in the community. And that's something you don't find in many other shuls. Kolakavod to Michael and with happy memories of that darling Phyllis. Aleha Vashalom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, Mervyn. Um, you know, we can see how much love and appreciation you engendered, Michael, in your career. And I hope that you will inspire the United Synagogue to say, why don't we have people like this anymore? Why can't we train Chazanim? Why can't we employ them so that they will look after the sick and look after the babies and look after the bar mitzvahs? Because that's what makes a, uh, that's what makes a community. And that's maybe what will make people come back to shul after this terrible lockdown. What do you think about that, Michael? 
I agree with you absolutely. I mean, obviously things change and uh, ideas change and into anything that my whole life has been devoted, as you can see, for people. I got my MBE for helping the disabled and to the community. That's what my MBE was for, the disabled. And I've been out going out of my way to help people. Do you know, only yesterday I've been helping a man who's going in to have a bowel cancer operation, the same as I had and he's in the right state and I'm trying to help him calm him down and so on. I've been doing this online to non-Jewish people on the website. You know, I've, I've been trained to do this and I do it because I love doing it. Nothing pleases me better than knowing that I've done a mitzvah and I've helped somebody all my life. And, and uh, I'm thrilled with, with, you know, I feel the interesting thing is that I've never recorded my voice and I've never been in a Chazonas concert. And therefore, I'm thrilled to have been invited as, as a Chazan, as you signed, Chazan who has made his mark. That's the, the, what, what you put here. A Chazan who made his mark, who never sang, never sang in a concert, never recorded. So uh, I'm thrilled that my, my labors have been recognized from that point of view. And uh, I am thrilled that I, I'm in Netanya, a marvelous community, young Israel. And I must also say the neighboring community, McDonald's, is lovely as well. It's a wonderful community, both very lovely indeed. I'm very happy to be there. I live bang opposite the sea, Mediterranean from my, from my room, from my flat. I can see the Mediterranean. I'm a minute away from the sea, a minute. And, and I couldn't wish for better in life. Phyllis wanted to live by the sea. We are happy as could be. We had marvelous years. Everybody should have the same mazal as we have had, thank God. And I'm happy God has spared me. Uh, I was seriously ill with cancer, seriously ill. And the doctor said, you'll live, but you will have to wear a, a bag, as they say. And I'm here to tell the tale. Uh, what more can I wish for life uh, in life? That thank God people respect me for what I've done. Uh, and you only get respect in life if you earn it and, and you behave yourself. Thank God I like to feel that I behaved myself. I did my duties to the shul. I went out of my way. My wife never saw me very much. I was always busy, busy, busy. And, uh, and if I had a call, I went there straight away. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. Now I can relax. And I do. I have my coffee. I play dominoes in the morning with my friends uh, in, in Cafe Nizza, in, Nizza uh, in the summer and in the winter as well. This morning I was there and the sun is shining in the Tanya. It's beautiful. I'm happy. I'm a happy man. I've retired and I'm a happy man. Thank you. That's a, a wonderful way to perhaps close the session. So, Alex, back to you. Unmute and see, you can... Uh, um, close this wonderful session for us. What is what is in two weeks time? In two weeks time, I think there's going to be a surprise because <laughs> uh, people have asked me and um, said, so we don't know that much about you, only what um, people are talking about. So I am going to be interviewed in two weeks time on the 8th of December. It was meant to be Robert Keeval, who unfortunately um, we wish him well. He's just um, had um, open heart surgery in New York. Um, please God, we wish him um, a speedy recovery of Refushalema. And he and hopefully that in the not too distant future, he, we will open another slot for 
Robert to talk about his life in the cantorate from from America and from the American perspective. But um, I will be interviewed in on the 8th of December. You're all very, very welcome to come and listen, um, ask me questions, put me to, put me to task and see um, my background and what what makes me tick. So you're very, very welcome. And I hope to see you in a couple of weeks time. Thank you, everyone, for a wonderful evening. Thank you for joining us from all around the world. Thank you, Russell. Thank you, Geraldine. Thank you, Michael. And thank everybody else for joining us. God bless. Thank Good you. night and I hope to see you soon. Thank you.